I'm Angela. I'm Naomi. And welcome to Queerly Yours. We are two queer polyamorous folks who have often been asked for relationship advice by friends, so we decided to put our insights on the internet. This is a podcast about how we have built our relationship over time and how you can build yours too. And today we're going to dig into a little bit of a topic that undergirds a lot of what we've talked about in past episodes, but today we're going to give it more of a specific focus. We're going to talk about being long distance. (laughs) It's a topic that I think we both feel like would be good to talk about because like Naomi said, we've, we've sort of mentioned it in passing how we've adopted supporting one another emotionally or adjusting to like when one of us decides to make the time or we plan to go and visit the other and see their family or what have you. But it might be better for us to just kind of directly address how we kind of got to this point and what both of our sort of communication or engagement styles around talking about certain issues or, or just problems that come up might be. Yeah, we, we got into it a little bit too in our intro episode, The Meet Cute, talking about how we met. We have not always been long distance and we did not meet in a long distance context. We met in a, uh, a short range context. We met in an extremely close context living in the same dorm building. So that created a pretty distinct kind of starter format to our relationship where we had a lot of spatial and social access to each other. And so problems about things like communication and boundaries were much more frequently in the range of what do you do when it's so easy to see someone that you want to make sure you are not overwhelming their time or taking up too much of their time and letting them have a life balance of access to other people too because we were so close to each other. And in the final two years of college, we lived in adjacent rooms. So we had four years of like very solidly and very frequently being in the same place the vast majority of the time, the occasional breathing room of school breaks. But yeah, it was a pretty big and notable shift to go from that to going to being long distance. And I feel like it's something that we've navigated differently at different points in time. And what we've landed on now is the product of, yeah, over seven years of sort of established relationship knowledge and dynamics between each other. And a lot of that came out of sort of the initial, maybe not tension, but differences that we had about how we would even engage in just conversations with people in general, like with making friends or talking around different subjects that sort of grew into something that we cultivated and created together. Because I know for me coming into this uh, relationship, I was coming into the format where Naomi's way of talking about a lot of different subjects was very familiar to me in terms of the loudness and the bluntness. (laughs) But the the way of approaching it, of being able to like just get a point across when you can, when you have the thought sort of ready to go, that was not something I was used to for, I'd say, maybe certain cultural dimensions, because that's not how I was raised growing up. And that's not like a knock on how Naomi engages on topics at all. But it was very much a difference coming in to have this very chirpy, enthusiastic partner ready to talk at a thousand words a minute with very wordy way of engaging on subjects at basically any moment at any moment at really any hour Mm -hmm. with really any state of lucidity whatsoever pretty much yeah middle of the night conversations middle of class conversations at lunch conversations i like conversations i suggested we start a podcast because i like having excuses (laughs) to have a nice on big ongoing conversations so much yeah and, and really like A lot of us trying to talk about this is probably, it's going to sound like a broken record with some of the points we might end up touching on, but 
I think for how long distance came about in terms of how we communicate with each other and check in, a lot of that goes back to just the early days of just figuring out like how do we how do we do this kind of thing that just sort of emerged kind of organically, but also really suddenly. Because like it was really just random that I ended up talking to Naomi because we mentioned this during our first sort of intro podcast episode for talking about how we met. And then from there it just sort of like thickest thieves kind of effect. But I think we'd both had enough experience with previous relationships to want to tread lightly about what it meant to like give the other person space but also be like I really like this person and I really enjoy spending time with them but I don't want the whole of my world to necessarily be them that makes sense yeah we thought a lot about boundaries even early on because that was a factor that I know was on my mind coming into the relationship and you know you can you can speak for yourself on how it sat with you at the start of the relationship but I know it was something that we both engaged with really thoughtfully I think it's also worth noting, like, our particular long-distance dynamic is not the only long-distance relationship that I am in right now, nor is it the only long-distance relationship either of us have ever had. We were both in a long-distance relationship with the same person for a little bit near the start of college, started in person at college, and then she moved for reasons I will not detail because it's not my story to share. But then long-distance was tough. You know, we were all teenagers And there were lots of complicating factors of just our lives and our emotions and figuring out how to navigate something that honestly is kind of complex. Long distance can be complex. And there are times where even if you're doing your best, it can be a tricky thing to do. Just like any relationship format. I mean, being in person with people can also be a tricky thing to do. But I know at the time, I specifically felt like there were elements of the the being long distance part specifically that made that tough and that were part of the reasons that that particular relationship configuration ended. And so I know going forward from that, the other long distance relationships I've been in since, I've tried to learn from that. I've tried to be thoughtful about that, about what did and didn't work and what I did and didn't know how to do as a teenager and how to be kinder and more thoughtful than I was then and how to reuse the things that worked then and to shape things more thoughtfully and intentionally going forward. Yeah. And, and and I think sort of adding on to that, we've learned a fair bit from just those previous occasions where we've had long distance relationships about what we want to do, what we want to see happen in the relationship that we have long distance now, because a lot of us being long distance is kind of a matter of circumstance by nature Mm -hmm. of like, I didn't really have a lot of housing stability past college. And that meant, a lot of time being sort of wandering around, especially being punted around the Bay Area housing wise. And a lot of trying to figure out like, how much do I want to tell Naomi about certain troubles I'm going through? And that's still, uh, I guess, not a conflict, but it's still an ongoing issue at times, I think for both of us, because we both have stress that comes up in our lives that it's hard, it's hard to tell a partner about, especially when it's long distance, and you don't want to make them feel like they're helpless in terms of what they can do to care for you and support you. Sometimes they really can't do that much. And sometimes it comes down to, well, it's not so much not telling someone because you don't want them to know. Of course, I want Naomi to know about these things. But I also know sometimes they're dealing with a lot of stress or they're having a week at work or with family or any other reason, other things that come up in their life that for right now, I don't want to add to that. And it's not because I don't think they don't have space for me, but I think space and I guess having our own lives is something that we've tried to work really hard we've encouraged uh, the other to have intensely because I think we've, I'll say at least for myself, 
I grew up a lot with seeing not just stories and like media and such about if you go long distance or if you're not checking in a certain amount of times things are fading out or maybe you're not as interested or me or I just saw with the way that my parents and like other family went that things just didn't work out if you didn't let people be their own person Mm -hmm. and I think we've tried as a result of that to adapt and figure out what's the best space and place for us to be in with each other as a result. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Han, because I feel like you you said something that sort of distills down for me one of the really key elements and factors in long distance as I've experienced it. I'm sure there are all kinds of different conflict stresses, elements that people can experience in long distance that can make it tough. But if I had to narrow it down to one thing for me, I think it would be that sensation where someone you love and care about is dealing with something tough. And you you physically can't be there to support them in it. It's physically impossible for you to be there to support them in it. And maybe there are still things you can do to support them. Or maybe even if you were there in person, you wouldn't be able to support them very much because some things are just hard or complicated or not your wheelhouse or involve factors outside of you. But that feeling of frustration and of helplessness is really, really hard, especially if you are someone who puts a lot of emotional weight and sort of leans a lot of your identity on your ability to care for and support others, which I know is something that's big for both me and Angela and that we've talked about on this podcast before, I think in episode one even. So there's this element of having to figure out how to emotionally deal with and balance that. How do you be close to someone and express your love for them in the ways that you can while also to some degree, if not being at peace with, at least being reasonably okay with the fact that there are ways you are not going to be able to help that you're really, really going to want to be able to help and to figure out how to help as much as possible in the ways that are reasonable and how to be at peace with the things that you cannot do. And I think, again, that's a thing that long distanceness intensifies and makes really structurally visible, but it's something that applies across relationships. Because even if you are in the same physical space as someone, if you come to feel that everything rests on you, or that you are constantly feeling helpless, and like your partner is doing things that you don't know how to support them with, those are both painful dynamics too, that can also happen in person. But being long distance creates particular energies around that, that I feel like we've both had to work through in a lot of ways and that I have worked through in other relationships as well, or in some cases not worked through and had that be a factor in realizing that a relationship was going to be hard to continue or that might not work in that moment because I didn't know what to do when I felt like I was in that stuck place where I couldn't help someone. I think part of the way that we've responded to that worry about what it means to actually support each other well enough, at least one area that I found that we've tried to be good about that is in terms of career or ambition and such, to try and give each other space. Like we we both, I think, to an extent, or at least my sense of it, is that we value very deeply not having each other sacrifice for the other unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. when it comes to our career ambitions and such. And I know that for me, that was something that I had to work a lot on being okay with. And I'm still, I still work on some days about like my own, and that's my own issues of self-worth and not Naomi's. Because I know like even years ago when I was staying with their family, kind of for a period that was really, it, it really wasn't of like of my own choosing. It was kind of out of necessity. That was an element of resentment towards Naomi for some ways that they were getting into like a grad program or doing better in comparison to my life state. And I think 
once I had space away from them in a way it, I think I stopped feeling as hyper focused on that and had to actually do the work on myself or I had, I had space to actually figure out this isn't actually how I want to feel towards my partner and I need to figure out like how do I want to say these things to them mm-hmm. yeah there were tough elements to that the, but there were, yeah, there you handled elements. it really thoughtfully I think and you were you were honest about what was going on with you and what ways you could be and you didn't try to drop it on me but you also you didn't deny that those feelings were happening or pretend that you weren't also in a place sometimes that was resentful or frustrated or just tired you know yeah and, and I and I think that that's that's something that's I think worth spending a little bit of time on because that that was very much like one of those points that for me in our relationship has been but has diminished severely because we've talked more about it been a stuck point for us where it's like I worry a lot in different around different in in different ways about like Naomi being incredibly more successful for me because I see from afar them doing amazing and like getting the job that they have now and building themselves up and getting through their grad program having a master's now and I'm like an element of jealous and like wishing I could be in that same position and yet I think we've I I felt like more and more over the past bit of time that that level of jealousy and resentment has diminished because we've talked about it and been very frank and saying with each other and and I had to learn to listen even when I didn't want to that Naomi really was proud of me for all that I've done in the past few years. And sometimes that's really hard with long distance to get across, even if you say it multiple times, which <laughs> I should note for the record, Naomi has said this multiple times to me throughout the year. And I'm going to say it again on record now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. There are elements, and that's the thing with long distance too. In some ways, like we're so lucky to be living in this particular moment and being long distance. And there are so many ways we can connect with each other, so many ways we can send each other physical and digital tokens of affection, so many ways we can communicate. But there are still limits to how we can communicate that are different from when we're in the same physical space. And I feel like especially in the elements that we're talking about right now, we almost land in the place that happens with social media in general, where you're seeing other people's highlight reels while you yourself are experiencing the fullness of your own life and its ups and downs and emotional dimensions, where you are then looking at your partner through this tech-mediated communication lens and seeing the parts that they have time to share or the parts that they choose to share. And that can get folded into this energy and this experience of, oh, like what I'm seeing is all their successes, or I'm seeing all the things they're going out and doing and the ways they're being social when I'm not there, or those different elements when in fact there are so many other dimensions and energies to it. And if you were in the same physical space, you'd also be seeing, you know, how many dirty dishes were in the sink or what time they got to bed or didn't get to bed or how many times they cried in a given week Um, or the moments of frustration. You can't hand your partner every little piece of that, every little detail that you get when you're in the same physical space. And so it's important to remember when you're feeling in a stuck place or if there are things that you feel like you're missing, to remember that there are things that you're missing, that even if you have a really, really great communication dynamic, being long distance means you are not seeing everything. You are not seeing especially all the dimensions that you get in person, and that that's important. It's important to remember that there are pieces that you aren't getting to see in the same way, and to mediate that as you can, because if you don't acknowledge that's a factor, then you don't get a chance to mediate that. And I think we've both experienced our own energies and emotions around that. Angela articulated a lot of what she felt during the time where, yeah, there was a period of time where she was living with me and my parents, and there were stressful things about that. And I think especially it was a time when there was more of a sense of power dynamic between us than there has been in a lot of other places, in that I was 
working a lot of the time. I was out of the house for big chunks of time. I was applying to a graduate school. I was doing grad program research. There was a sense of movement and a sense of community involvement that I had that Angela wasn't getting to have in the same way and a sense of family that I was getting to have that Angela wasn't getting to have in all of the same ways. We were in my parents' house. We were in my hometown. I had a bunch of pre-existing connections. I was more familiar with like the transit and structural systems of the area, and I had more things I was responsible for doing. And that was tough. That created particular kinds of energy. And I feel like one of the places where we're at right now, I don't think I have landed in a point where I've had the exact flipped experience where I was on the perfect other side of that equation because Ange and I are different people and different things have happened in our lives. But I know one of the things that I've been looping through lately and having to think about and manage for myself is that Angela has been dealing with a lot of challenges in the past couple years that it terrifies me to think about going through myself and that on a lot of fronts I'm also very jealous of. I'm not jealous that she's had to hustle in some pretty dire straits, but I am jealous of a lot of what she's managed to do in those tough situations that she has had to find and rent rooms for herself in multiple locations. She has moved multiple times. She has had to interview for places to live multiple times. I have hardly ever done that. I have gotten, this place I'm living right now is the first place I've ever lived that I did not get through a pre-existing social connection or through a school program. The fact that Angela figured out how to coordinate and talk with strangers multiple times, multiple cycles over and over again to find housing. The thought of doing that terrifies and impresses me so much. And that in a way makes me feel like she is more grown up than me on some fronts in terms of managing her physical space. By the same token, Angela writes professionally. It may not be the world's most lucrative career, but that Patreon that gets linked in every one of these podcast descriptions, that is a key powerful resource and part of how she lives her life. She writes on Patreon, she writes for an online magazine, she does other freelance writing projects, she is a professional creator of writing. And trust me, no one is as surprised about that as I am. And it's badass. And I am sometimes like deeply jealous of that. It's not that I don't value the work that I do or love the types of work that I do, but especially when I am stressed or if I'm feeling overwhelmed or like something is missing from what I do in my work life, so much of where my mind and energy goes is to all the creative projects that I have backburnered because I don't feel like I have the time and space for them. And I never want to minimize the fact that part of why you have time and space is that you're in a place where you're really hustling and doing what you can to make money in whatever ways work. And the creative work has filled that niche really well right now. But I'm still incredibly impressed and often jealous that that is something that you do, that you have gotten to make that the center of your work life. So, yeah. And, and I think a lot of that too, and these are these are just things that like even now on this podcast I was talking about, like we, we've maybe brought them up before to an extent, mm-hmm. but this is the first time like I'm hearing it in this sort of full detail. And mind you, this is us who, for all that we advertise as having had a very loving and long-term relationship, we still have points where like we don't even realize maybe until we actually sit down to even record this episode how much we've wanted to actually say around certain topics or realize we've been holding out on certain things until we talk about it. Some of that might have come out a lot more easily, but maybe also in more confrontational ways if we'd been living together more consistently at this point. And some of it's come out as just the kind of unique way that our long distance relationship has played out and that we do this and 
we've had these different details come out of it. And I, <laughs> I kind of like that that's an aspect of maybe what motivated the podcast to emerge in the first place is that it kind of gives us both an excuse to talk with one another for a fair bit of time and just get to know all of you who are listening with us <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. And for for all of you to hear really from us is that like as much as we have put in time, work and energy and all that over the past seven years to create the relationship we have, whether it's been in the more living in the same area, super close residential space that it was in college, whether it was the kind of by necessity living with each other in Naomi's parents' home. Living briefly in weird sublets in the Bay Area. (laughs) Bay Area is weird for that. Or the kind of long distance across state relationship that we have, because before we were mainly doing it just across the same state. Now we are across multiple states now. Yeah, I now have, I'm now part of like a, a, a tri-state polycule. <laughs> I'm in Seattle. One of my metamors is in Seattle, but I don't have a direct relationship with said metamor outside of general general loose friendship. And then I have one partner in California and one partner in Minneapolis. And so all, all of that really is to say that like, even with us, we have periods of time where maybe we don't, we don't even realize what we want to say until we get to moments like this, where it's just like, you know what, I have something that's been on my mind or that one person says something that brings up some thoughts or feelings that the other wants to get out. And that I don't think in any way means that we've been like holding on to some nugget of resentment. <laughs> for a period of time or have, haven't been communicating as well as we could have sometimes we go what what's the longest we've ever gone on like a week maybe or two before we've talked to each other again yeah and... sometimes we just have chunks of time where we don't talk not because anything is particularly wrong but just because i know generally from my end it's because i'm exhausted and i don't feel like i have enough energy to put into a loving thoughtful conversation because i know from experience in this and in past relationships that if i try to talk a lot when i'm really sleep deprived I get cranky and weird. Cranky has decreased over the years. The weird has increased. Mm-hmm. I am better at managing the cranky than I used to be, partially because I know more about how to tell when I'm tired and notice when that's affecting me emotionally. Also, I'm more self-assured than I was. Happily, I am no longer a teenager. And so it's kind I won't of a say nice I thing. don't get upset, but I there are things that I am less easily upset by. Yeah, and I think we've just grown in a lot of different ways. I think that's been something else, too, that sort of affected how stable, I guess, this long-distance relationship is and why I think we're able to not even just tolerate but be okay and at peace with yeah. uh, moments where we or periods of time where we're not talking. Because I think from a, a very just practical level when people are talking about it, it's like, uh, or I think when I've had the fear in the past or I felt like I've gotten the sort of cultural narrative that, oh, if you go into long distance and you not talking every day or or a regular period of time at the same specific day of the week or what have you, then <laughs> you're losing interest and it's going to fade out. I think from a practical level, that doesn't make sense because we both get tired. We yeah. have stuff around disability issues. And also some weeks I don't have a lot of things that I'm working on. And then I had the period at the end of October where I had five projects I was working on. And I was like, Ah, this is a lot. I really need yep. to do something every day. And Naomi has a much more, because of their job, consistent nine to five, probably longer than that, right? Because yeah, you know, longer, longer than that, because it's AmeriCorps, and so hours are hours have some interesting wibbly wobbly structural components. But loosely speaking, nine to five. And then I also have I'm living in a city where I have more solid public transit access than I think you have where you live. And I have some recurring social events and things that I go to that happen as well. I have a more structurally regular schedule than you do because you're living living that freelance life. But happily, I have also lived that freelance life. So 
that I sympathize with very deeply. And I try to have your back on that in the ways that I can. But it also means like, yeah, when you were in that crunch time, I feel like that's a really good example of some of the things that it means when you're trying to navigate long distance, because I knew that you were super stressed and tired and that there were things that you needed support on and that I literally could not be there for some of the times that mattered because I was at work and I was busy or when I was home, I knew I didn't have the capacity to support you in all the ways you needed while you were in like a really, really intense stress spike with some projects. But that's one of the reasons that it's powerful and good to remember that I'm not the only support person in your life. And it also meant that I couldn't be there always, but I made sure that there was some good, clear quality time that I was there, that I did check in with you by phone, that I did make time for that, but that I was honest about my own capacity to do that. Because trying to make myself available to you when I was super tired and unfocused and not really in a good place to communicate or support you wouldn't have been to either of our benefit. I would have muddied the waters and you would have continued to be stressed. That and also like we, I think we both have a pretty firm understanding of the fact that we are both caretaker type personalities. And if left to our own devices, we will very easily ignore our own needs and prioritize the other person. And sometimes that's really not what you need to do Mm -hmm. in a relationship. It's actually the last thing you should do because sometimes being a little selfish to the extent that take care of yourself is a good thing because then that means you have more energy and more like stability of mind whenever you can have it Mm -hmm. to then come back during a period of time when you know you're less stressed or you're less worn out and make for better I guess intimate times to talk about different things because I think that's part of one of the biggest hang-ups that I might have now and, and like responding to oh but it doesn't like long distance mean you need to be talking all the time or you're not really interested in each other anymore it's like I think whenever we do talk we try and just space it out to moments where we feel like yeah I, I want to check in with you and I just want to be really cute and cuddly and affectionate with you because I miss you and that's not just me wanting to feel like oh I have to remind Naomi I miss them it's like no I genuinely miss them and I want them mm-hmm. to know that I care about them and I miss so many different things about them but I'm also in a space now where I can say that yeah I've had a few days maybe even a week or two that's gone by and I'm like you know I'm thinking about my partner that thing going down the street or talking to someone else made me think of them I want to message them and check in and that feels like such a much more organic way of going about how I want to check in with my partner and I'm sure Naomi appreciates it at least I hope I hope it's treated <laughs> as appreciated Yes, very much so. I will also note we do vary like, the context and the reasons that we talk. We have long, detailed conversations that are just about how we're feeling and how how we're doing in life and how we miss each other and we love each other. We also play Dungeons and Dragons together online. I'm I'm the dungeon master of an ongoing campaign that we do with a cluster of our shared friends from undergrad, including folks that we have lived with in the past and folks I have made out with in the past. Um, because that's the kind of life that we lead (laughs) and things. So that's another format. And we also support each other on our work lives and our creative lives and the places that those interact. Angela also runs D&D and RPG-related creative stuff, and we brainstorm ideas and we support each other with ideas on that. When she's doing freelance, sometimes we talk through projects that we're doing there. You know, like I vent and talk through thoughts and feelings I'm having about working in education and educational pedagogy with her. There are places where our interests really overlap and we're able to support each other through that. And there's also places where we work in contrasting fields or on contrasting topics, but we're able to bring what we can bring to that and to support each other in thinking about that. And I think that matters more than the particular volume or amount that we talk. It's about structurally, are we supporting each other fully and thoughtfully as people? 
And I think on the whole, we make that our priority and that that is something we get to do. You know, we are affectionate with each other. We share creative and social endeavors with each other. We talk about our work lives. We talk about our personal lives. We make space for the different dimensions of how we're doing. So sometimes we're talking and it's sharing recipe suggestions. And sometimes we're talking and it's designing the cosmology of a fantasy world. And sometimes we're talking and it's flirting. And all of those are important dimensions of how we get to make sure that we connect with each other. I'll also say, I think that being long distance with Angela, I think she's right when she says that we've grown as people, that we're capable of approaching this differently than we did when we were in a long distance relationship with someone when we were all undergrads. And I know that in part because, as I noted, Angela is not my only long distance relationship. I am also long distance with my partner, Danny. And Danny and I have not been together for as long. And we also were not living in the same physical space for as long before we became long distance as Angela and I were. And so we did talk about, you know, like, what did we want going forward and what might long distance look like? And we weren't, you know, necessarily 100% sure. We figured that we would check in and figure out how it worked. But I think I had a sense of security that I'd sort of established in my ability to do long distance and to communicate about my needs in a long distance context that meant that this relationship where if it had happened much farther in the past, if someone I cared about was moving to a new state, I might have gone, this was wonderful and I don't know what we do now or I don't know if this can continue. But because of the experiences that I'd already had and kind of the skill sets that I'd built, I felt like I could really have some thoughtful conversations and check-ins with Danny to figure out what do we want this to look like going forwards. And it feels like even though we were both thinking about this being more short-term, now we're realizing maybe we do want to see where this goes, even if we're not in the same physical place. Maybe we do both have the capacity to see what this looks like. And I don't think I would have had that capacity in that way if it wasn't for all the thought and care and work that Angela and I had already put into our relationship with each other. I was familiar with those muscles. I was familiar with working and stretching those sort of conceptual muscles of thoughtful long distance communication. Yeah. And, and I think it's to know what to say after that. That was all very well put together. Oh, thank you, babe. <laughs> I think we've just tried very hard to just make space for each other as people. And a lot of that has involved making space for the moments where we're not functioning entirely or we're having stress at work or in our lives and just also just trying to make space for just each other as people who want to grow in the world and do have our own individual ambitions outside of each other. That's really tricky to do, but it's very vital, I guess, to encourage in a relationship because I don't think mm -hmm. we're in this just because we want to be together and we're trying to keep the quote unquote spark alive after <laughs> all this time. I think we're just trying to figure out in a lot of ways we are two people who are close friends who want to see each other thrive. And right now, we can't do that in the same kind of, I would categorize as cuddly, affectionate, super enthusiastic, helpful way. It's God, I miss your close. shoulder rubs. <laughs> these, are, these are among the things that are meant. <laughs> but we're, we're still trying to figure out what it means to care for each other well. And I think a lot of that involves figuring out when we need levity in our conversations, when we need mm -hmm. to give some space or like maybe Naomi isn't the person that I talk to one day. Maybe it's someone else who's maybe a little more equipped to talk about certain topics or has the mm -hmm. energy. More often than not, it's probably just that Naomi's tired. Yeah, and... I'm, I'm asleep. And so Angela needs to find someone else because if I've just woken up, I'm not very helpful with yeah. large life problems. Yeah, just giving space for that because I think that's ultimately whether I think we're, you're in a relationship where you're able to see each other consistently in person or you're long distance. Validating one another and communicating comes down to a lot of basics of just getting 
to know each other well. And it's establishing a sense of comfort where I don't think we feel codependent. I think maybe at one point there was worries about that, or at least I worried Mm -hmm. about that happening a lot. And I think we're both reticent of that possibility happening and try and do our best to just remember it's okay for us to be separate. And that doesn't mean that we don't want to be together. That doesn't mean it at all. It just means that we have to make space for who we are as individuals, despite how much we want to be together. We want there to be space for us to be together as a couple. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of if there's any other points I want to touch on or good ways to summarize things. I think we try to not feel like either we have to or that we want to push the other person to overextend themselves for our benefit. You know, that we want to be complete separate people who love each other and care for each other and continually nurture a connection, but that you don't have to overextend yourself to prove that you care about someone in a long distance context or in any context. You don't have to be available at every possible hour or moment. You don't have to do something dangerous with your finances in order to visit. It's okay to have limits. It's okay to acknowledge contexts. And sometimes that's frustrating and it sucks and you really want to be more connected than you can be, you know? I don't want to not be talking to Angela because I am exhausted from work. But sometimes that's true. (laughs) And it's better to acknowledge that I'm genuinely exhausted than to try to push myself through a burnout state. And that, again, is something that I'm glad that we've cultivated and that I think makes me a kinder, better friend and partner in other contexts, too. I think it makes me kinder and more thoughtful with the ways that my friends are sometimes running on fumes or really close to burning out. And that's also a hugely important dynamic of how Danny and I check in with each other. Because our communication styles are not the same as Angela's and mine. We have different methods that we favor and ways we like to talk. Angela and I talk in a much more random haphazard format on some fronts. Danny and I have different time zone factors and work schedule factors. So we have to be a little bit more intentional to create time overlap. So we try to check in and create regular video chat dates. But we also let those times shift when needed. We always check in to confirm them. Because sometimes one or both of us are seriously exhausted. Or having health factors or schedule factors that mean that time doesn't work. And we reschedule and we do that with love and we do that without judgment. Because being able to do that is powerfully important to making sure that we're meeting each other as two people who want to be connected and not as people who feel like, as Angela put it, that they're obligated to do something to prove that a relationship is okay or to maintain some kind of spark. That what maintains spark is acknowledging that you're dating human beings with needs. (laughs) and that that's beautiful. If you want to date someone who is always available in a very specific way, you know, on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., then I'm sure there are a lot of chatbots that can help you with that. But (laughs) people at a certain level can't, and that's okay. That's important. And I think if you're reaching a point where that feels like part of the dynamic that you have with any person you're interested in being with, then that's something to check in about and See if that's really a dynamic you want to continue because we've had periods where we've had conflict with one another or like we've had tension come up in the relationship. I know I've thought about on a previous occasion whether or not we'd stay together. And I think you've thought about that too, hon. Like we've had periods where we thought we might separate. I've honestly thought that's something that would be good to have an episode on in future too about like the concept of breakups because I feel like one of the reasons that we are still together is that we are capable of imagining breaking up. That it's we don't. not a fun thought like it's whatsoever. Neither of us, I think, looks forward to that ever becoming a reality. But I no. think if we didn't accept it as a possibility that is, I want to say always present, but not with not with the implication of like lurking, because then <laughs> that implies that it's like, oh, it's on the horizon, but more that it's there. It is something that is always an option, but that's more by nature of like we recognize, I think, or at least I my view of it is that we recognize that 
this could end and it would suck mm-hmm. if it ended. I would, it would end it. I really would not like it to. And I think it'd have to go in a very shitty direction for it to do so. But yeah, if this isn't something that's working between us, then we shouldn't be trying to force it. Mm-hmm. I think it comes, there's an element to it where like as cheesy as it is to say, it. it's like you can't, you either have it or you don't after a certain point. And you can work <laughs> at, you, that doesn't mean you don't work on problem areas or tensions or figuring out why aren't you talking so much. Mm-hmm. Even as much as I'm saying that like us not talking to each other, maybe as long as like a week at a mm-hmm. time doesn't mean we're not interested that could that doesn't mean in, uh, with someone else that that's not the case we have this dynamic because of the different work lives that we have and the different levels of comfort we've established around that that we can do that and it's not an issue for other people that might be a thing and mm-hmm. that might involve having to check in a lot without it but usually breaks in communication come down to there's somewhere along the line an assumption being made by one or both people or the other or the multiple people in your relationship dynamic exactly solving those problems like a lot of things usually just comes down to if it's hard to talk about something make a space where you can't do that exactly and if it feels terrifying and impossible to make that space well that's some important data that's something for you to consider like what is making that feel hard and impossible is that something that you can process and reshape or is that is that a wall is that a place that you don't know how to go around that you don't have a way to navigate because sometimes the kindest thing to do is to acknowledge that it's okay for things to end and that relationships are not inherently better if they are long that it is important to know when to step away from something And again, yeah, that's definitely like another episode scale kind of topic, but I think that's an important thing. Again, not something to feel like is always lurking on the sidelines, but to remember that you are not inherently stuck or trapped. And that's a real, that's a real factor in a lot of things too. And I think that's another element that long distance affects in that in a lot of relationships, whether or not partners are consciously or directly thinking of it that way, people are depending on each other for housing and for a lot of structural stability. And there are ways that being long distance means that that's not a factor with us in the same way. And I know that's something that if we get in a place in the future where we get to live together again, which we very much want and have been talking a lot about, that's something that we'll check in about, about what are our structural abilities to leave and what does and doesn't change about that when we're sharing a living space. And how do we make sure that we're supporting each other in that? Because I think that's really important. We want to imagine a future where we have things like living together or able to more support one another in a physical sense or in just more close in-person kind of sense, but figuring out what it means to take care of each other and show each other that we love each other. A lot of that comes down to building off of not making assumptions about what the other person's level of interest in the relationship anymore, a Mm -hmm. relationship is anymore. And also just figuring out like whether or not this is something both or the multiple people that could be involved still want anymore. Because sometimes it can just feel like you do something to just go through the motions. And I think whenever, if we've ever reached a point where that's happened, I think we've been honest about checking in about why it's felt that way. Mm -hmm. And I think no matter what the distance is, we both still love each other quite dearly we do at this time regardless of how we have to communicate or the breaks in that communication that might happen but we figure out what we need what the other needs and a lot of that again it's very broken record as i said but we talk (laughs) a lot we do and it might not seem like that covers quite a lot of things but it does in a way it covers quite a lot of issues if you don't make assumptions about how the other person or persons are doing and just see what they need even if it's as simple as hey i want to talk a little bit more but i'm pretty tired this week do you want to check in maybe next friday when like i have a few days off or for naomi's case they got some days off of work so it's yay i can send you messages about you enjoying tea in bed or sleeping which i'm so glad you're getting 
That's I made lemon distance. ginger honey syrup today and then I drank it and it made my throat feel awesome. It was so good. I cleaned the kitchen. That felt so good. I've been so busy with work, I'd been neglecting some of my shared household tasks. One of my roomies has guests over tonight, so that was a good catalyst. And I wasn't in the office, so I had the time to clean the kitchen. It rocked. It made me so happy. You know, if we do get to enact our plan and get to be living in the same place again in the not wildly distant future, hun. I guess we'll get to do probably some kind of sister episode to this one to do like a shared living space episode. <laughs> An updated follow-up <laughs> episode to this? Uh, Maybe assuming... a couple. I mean, because I feel like moving is its own topic and living together is its own topic. Maybe it'll be like a combo follow-up episode or something. <laughs> and it'll also yeah. mean we'll be doing an episode where people will be hearing us from the same room. Mm -hmm. opposed to different rooms yeah i'm hoping we'll get to record at least one thing when uh we're in the same place for christmas this is true we are both looking forward to that yeah even if it's just some kind of goofy bonus but we'll see we'll see what we have time to record what makes sense as enjoyable as long distance is i do also still look forward to the times i get to see naomi in person there is a special joy that comes with that it rocks you know we're singing some of the praises of long distance how it helps us grow how it helps us be thoughtful and think about communication we also miss each other it still sucks sometimes it still also sucks yeah if we had the choice. But I think especially, and this came up a little bit in the Meet Cute episode too, we got together when we were like 18. So I think particularly for us, the fact that we have not lived together continually since then, I think there are good elements to that. Because I think it has let us do more work on the process of individuating and becoming adults in our own ways. We may have technically been adults when we met, but being an 18-year-old is still wildly different than being a 25-year-old. And I'm sure each successive year is going to reveal more about what it can feel like. And so I think there are benefits to that. There are times that it has really sucked and there are times it has been emotionally painful and trying because it hurts to not be near people that you love. But I think there are also big and important elements of learning from that that I would not trade for anything. I agree. For all that we could say on what tips we could provide about what it means to make a functioning long distance relationship. You know, care packages, like, scheduling calls, etc. Like we could talk about all of those things. We could we could have spent the whole well knowing us, we probably could have spent twice the length of a podcast <laughs> episode talking about those kinds of things. But I think that misses maybe just the groundwork and conceptual point that underlies all of that, which is really that we're talking about little things and that I've written about this. Naomi's helped me talk about this and write about this. We don't really have grand secrets for making our relationship work. Some of it comes down to really 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 pouring tiny little acts or little things that build up over time that yeah make... i think a lot of it's talking paying attention to each other and also having our own lives we make the path that, that is our relationship of two people who involved with other people or not want to be with each other and love each other greatly we have built that and continue to build that over time with just little acts to make little stones to make a nice little path for us to walk together and whether or not we keep walking that path it's going to depend on us just doing upkeep and just deciding whether or not we still want to walk and make this path together mm -hmm. and for right now i think we're both pretty happy to say despite suckiness and also the joys of being long distance we still love each other and we want to be together in this path together we do i like the image of laying stones down on a path too I figured the landscaping metaphor would, would be a plus at this point. Yeah, considering that my one of my dad's specialties is stonework, yeah. <laughs> 
I like the rock one because my dad works a lot with that as well. So oh, yeah, that's true. Like that. Yeah, both our dads, like both our dads work with rock. It's another one of those very odd overlaps in our lives that we had that was very scarily similar when we actually talk about it. We could probably have another like bonus episode about yeah, that. Yeah, that our, our our mothers are both like redheaded feminists who do flower design for fun, and our fathers both do like stonework. <laughs> Obviously, there's lots of other dimensions to all of them too, but yeah, there are funny there are funny elements of that. Yeah, dang, we could probably do a whole episode on our own like <laughs> close family yeah, dynamics but i think that's that's a pretty good place for us to end for today and yeah yeah i think i think it's hard being long distance but we make it work and it's it's a lot of little things it's a lot of bigger things that we've talked about in previous episodes and if you haven't listened to any of those episodes feel free to go and check them out yeah but they're also, really cool we talk about a lot of cool stuff we're pretty rad we are <laughs> you're pretty rad hun oh so are you <laughs> But yeah, I think that's a good place for us to stop for today. I'm Naomi. I'm Angela. And we are, as always, Queerly Yours. Queerly Yours is edited and produced by Naomi Bosch, with intro and outro music by Angela Lemos Mogrovejo. (laughs) 